Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Time for Health podcast with me, Lewis Pierce, and my lovely co-host, Matt. Matt, how are you, mate? I am fine. It's minus three here in the UK today. Minus three. Bloody freezing. I don't even know what it is here. Sunny. <laughs> You're in Cyprus, mate. Stop rubbing it in. <laughs> <laughs> Every single week, mate. Um, cool. So today we have a very, very special guest on the show today. Nathaniel, it's Matt's son. How are you, mate? Good to have you on the show. Good, thanks. It's cold here as well, <laughs> but it's not as cold as it is uh, down where Dad is. It's about so we've got the sunshine there, so can't complain about that. Yeah, that's all right. Have you had any snow yet? No, uh, we did last week, but not this week. Nothing, no. unfortunately. But uh, cool, cool. That's all right. It'll come. Cool. So Matt wanted to get um, Nathaniel on the show today to share his story to do with an eating disorder so those of you that follow the show for a while um know that we've interviewed a couple of people that have eating disorders and we've got a few episodes coming out in the future as well but what i think is uh, really important about this conversation is it's opportunity for maybe to get a, a parental perspective as well on the whole scenario which um would be good for me because i've got a little girl she's three years old i don't know whether she's going to grow up um having eating disorders or anything like that so it's definitely something for me to learn from this conversation that i could maybe um take into my role as a father but also at the same time um getting nathaniel's perspective on on things and his experience and how he ultimately deals with his um, eating disorder so nathaniel nathaniel tell us a little bit about you who you are what you do that sort of thing and then we can t we can take it from there and I'll, I'll just fire a few questions at you um to kind of pick your brains a little bit sure so um i'm nathaniel i'm 21 i'm from uh, i live in north yorkshire um yeah i'm a starbucks i work for starbucks so i'm a starbucks barista absolutely love my job it's great i've been there for nearly a year or so now um what else do you want to know Yes. Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably fine as an introduction, mate. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and you, and you, Matt's son. And you, Matt's son. Cool. So, yeah. Now that, now that, uh, now oh that, yeah, yeah. That's important, isn't it? You can't forget that. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're related to Matt. You? <laughs> <laughs> Not like he's trying to forget it at all, Matt. Is it? Um, I, I don't know if that. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing to be related to him, but. <laughs> oh. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. <laughs> I'm going to make no comment now. <laughs> this is probably the only time I'll. It's probably the only time I'll get away with saying that as well. So make the most yeah. of it whilst I can. Fair one, mate. Um, okay, so Nathaniel, you have something called Arfids. So for the people, for me specifically, and also the people yeah. listening, tell us a little bit about what that is, what that entails, um, how it's kind of impacted your life. Yeah, so ARFIDS is a, well, it's an eating disorder, but it's down for, because it's such a long-worded um, eating disorder. So ARFID stands for Avoidance Restricted Food Intake Disorder, which is like, but I don't eat enough of the right stuff to be able to grow and to develop into who, I, who I'm supposed meant to be or whatever. Some days it's kind of tough, I guess. You don't you don't want to eat. You just feel like crap and you just can't be bothered to eat anything. And another day is totally fine and not have any worries in the world. It's a very up and down. Depends on how you feel that day, really. Okay, so you'd um, so you generally you'd wake up one day and it'd be a good day or a bad day, but you don't really know until you kind of get up. Yeah. Okay. No. Nah. Um, not really. No. 
So what sort of what, so when you have when you're having a bad day, what sort of things are going? What sort of thought processes are going through your head? What kind of makes it a bad day? How would you kind of describe a bad day? Um, I don't know. I guess it's to do with more. I guess your how you're feeling and what's the word where you're um just like your a mindset, I guess, and how like depending on what you think. Like when I'm working, I, I love working, so it's great. So it's like oh, it's gonna be a good day. I'm working, you know, I'm gonna be doing this that. I think it's mainly the days. Like obviously, when you're not doing anything, it's just like oh, I'm not doing anything. I'm bored. I don't want to. And I just can't, you know, it's kind of hard to say, really. But, um, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, it's just the way it is sometimes, I think. So, like, um, yeah. like a lack <laughs> It's lack kind of, of it, it's tough to explain. Yeah, I guess with COVID and that as well, it's kind of knocked it a bit as well. I think it's like, I guess, being, being sometimes by yourself, like when my parents are away working and, that is kind of being on your own you've got no one there to really talk to or anything mm -hmm. so it's kind of tough but yeah it's um it's tough some days but it's all right most of the time yeah that's uh, that's good news i suppose yeah. then um so when did you going back to childhood when did you kind of realize that that, some, that this was kind of an issue that potentially needed to be addressed what were the sort of early warning signs that you had uh, well, when I was about 11, um, my mum started noticing that I wasn't really eating properly. So we started going to like this place, um, it was hospital, like, um, it was called like CAMS or something, I think. And, uh, it was, they would just like talk to me about like why I didn't want to eat and things. And then nothing really happened much, but they gave me like diet plans and things to try and stick to. And then... But I wasn't like diagnosed when I was 11. It took like, and they kept doing like loads of tests and everything for about four years it was. And then I went to Great Ormond Street when I was 15 and they did like this test. So I was sat in a room um, with my family and they made us, before we'd gone into this room, um, a couple of days before they emailed us or something and said, here's the menu. And basically they wanted us to sit in this room and have a meal. So they made me pick something that they knew that I wasn't going to like and I wouldn't eat. And so they asked me to pick a meal I wouldn't like and wouldn't eat and then a meal that I would want to eat and that I'd like. So I think it was like um, salmon noodles or something from, I can't, I can't even believe I remember that. And then I remember the other one was chicken nuggets. Obviously I love everybody. If you don't like chicken nuggets, there's something wrong with you. Uh, but, <laughs> so I remember going in. I remember I remember going into this room and sitting in this room, and it wasn't just me; and it was the whole family. So it was my brother, my mum, and my stepdad there, and we were all sat there around this table. And they'd all pick something that they liked. My brother'd pick something that he liked, and I'd had this. And then I was placed with this meal in front of me that I didn't like. And they basically, these two people that were watching us, they weren't in the room; they were watching through cameras. And then they were like let five minutes go by, just chat, you know, do what you normally do at mealtime. So we did. And then, then they came in and then they said, right, you can have your, the meal that you like. So then they gave me that. And then after that, we went out and then I sat in this room, just coloring or something. And then they were talking with mum and Andy and my brother was sat with me just coloring. 
and then they asked me to come in and then they diagnosed me with aphids which is it was kind of a bit of a relief to be honest because it'd been going on for so long like not having something to know what was what the issue was and then these people had come out and said this is your problem and it'd been like finally like but then it's like well then we had to work from now knowing what what the issue was and working from that which was quite quite hard because it wasn't very common like anorexia is very common but aphids is like one in 10 people or something i can't remember the, the stats but it's something like that um so it's not very commonly known um yeah yeah not very commonly known so people weren't really sure how to tackle it because it's completely different to being uh being having anorexia hmm. gotcha so that's my next question, mate. What is the difference between aphids and anorexia and other eating disorders? So, um, I've mainly because I've been in, I was in an inpatient unit for eating disorders uh, when I was sixteen. I think it was sixteen and seventeen. Um, there was the the lot of lot of the people there were had anorexia, and. I was this person who came in with aphid and they didn't know what to do and they just treat me like an anorexia, like a patient with anorexia and it was quite frustrating because they just didn't understand the kind of thing so like the like the girls in there and things would uh worry about calories and um all these other things and i wouldn't be worried about the calories that never bothered me it was just more like portion size for me was one of the, the biggest things that always put me off was the size of the meal and I think like that there's like during between like say lunch and and um tea like we'd have a snack as well but um the the, the um the the staff would be coming in you know and they'd have like a pack of crisps with them just they'd eat whenever they wanted really but obviously they ate at meal times as well with us and um one day they'd come in and this lady I think she was eating Harry Rose or something, some some packet of sweets or something. And I said, oh, what are you eating? And she said, oh, eating such and such. And I was like, oh. And then she offered me one. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll have one. And then she offered it around to everyone else and none of the other kids took one. And they couldn't believe that I'd taken this sweet because they thought, oh, I'd be worried about putting on the weight or the calories and everything like that. But that was like, that's the thing. Like with Alfred, you don't, well in my in my case anyways I never worried about calories or putting on weight or anything like that I, I want like the thing is I wanted to do that but it was more the not being able to eat enough because my mind was saying that's too much I guess yeah okay so it's yeah that's so, it, yeah so anorexia is is more a case of like they're worried about putting on weight their parents that sort of thing that people are going to bully them for being overweight. They're not going to fit into some social norm that they yeah, put in yeah. their sort of head. Um, whereas your side of things, it was, it's the size of the plate and the frequency of eating that put you off. And also, and also you, how you felt on a day-to-day basis, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and obviously like, I'm sure dad can relate. Dad will relate to this as well. Um, little and often is my thing as well. I always, I'm always grazing and picking. And that was like, one of the things I couldn't do when I was in the, in the hospital was pick and eat and things and pick and choose when I wanted to eat, which is, I think is a main factor of uh, being partly with Arthur. Like 
there was this structure in the in the inpatient unit where it was like you have breakfast at eight o'clock you eat your lunch at half past 12 or whatever it was you have your tea at 5 30 and it was like supper is at eight o'clock again it's like all these kind of structure and it's like but with Arfid, it's like and and like a normal person you don't you don't go you don't go oh it's 12 o'clock i need to stop working and eat my lunch you you work until you're hungry or you work until you you're told to go like go on your lunch break or whatever and I guess like that's the normal, but being in there, it wasn't normal. They were saying, oh, we need to normalize things. But normalizing things was the structure for them. For, and that worked for people with anorexia. But with me, it just didn't because I wasn't at those times, say like at half past 12, I wasn't hungry or I didn't want to eat because I wasn't ready to eat or I just wasn't hungry. So it was like, what's the point of me trying to sit here and eat a, a meal when I don't want to eat anything? And that that was another thing that I found like, hard because it was like this structure was made for people with anorexia not for people with aphids so it just didn't work mm. but like eventually like my body got used to having to like being in there got used to the times and things but it wasn't always like oh i'm hungry at this time to eat because it's time to eat it was because i'm just not hungry i don't feel hungry but then later on in the day i'd feel hungry mm. but it's just yeah it was complicated for them as well as it was for me Oh yeah, I can imagine if it's not if it's not a very common thing that they have to deal with, they're probably making it up as they're going along, like, no. like most like certain things. Um, but I totally agree with with what you said about yeah. the the routine side of things. I think that's that's not how humans are supposed to eat. We're not supposed to eat at nine, eat at twelve, eat at four, eat at eight. We're not supposed to eat at those times. And my daughter, yeah. she's only three. She's she's very similar with the way that you do things, which she, if there's a big plate in front of her, she'll be like, no, nah, no, I'm not even going to touch that. She'll like just pick around the edges or whatever. That could be a toddler thing, but she's also like, she's a picker, you know, some, some days she's starving. She'll just empty the fridge. Other days she's just like not interested at all. Do you think that the social um, pressures or the social norm of having set meal structures made things worse for you? Um, I think at first it did, but I think obviously being in there, it got you me getting used to it. It, it kind of, I kind of slowly like kind of relaxed at them times as well. Cause I was like, okay, this is the time we're eating. Okay. Get on and eat kind of thing. But I think it was, I just didn't like it because it was just like at home I'd be having, I wasn't having breakfast at eight o'clock. I might've been having it at like seven or at nine or whatever when I was going up, like, cause they'd let you a couple of days at a time when you're in the inpatient unit to get used to being back at home so then you could transfer from being in the hospital into home and then st and all this kind of thing but it wasn't like at home I wasn't st sticking to the structure you see because it wasn't like you know if you're going out somewhere you go out to town or something you don't go I need to be home for lunch at half past 12 or it's half past 12 in town I need to go and get my lunch because you're not you're not really thinking about that, are you? Or you're not hungry. It just didn't, just never. That was one of the things they didn't understand was they were saying, like, when I said, I'm not hungry, it's like, are you not hungry because you don't want to eat? It was, it was just literally, I wasn't hungry because it was just not normal for me. And it was, they were trying to normalize that into my system. And it just, it just wasn't right at all because. It, but it worked for a lot of people who were in there, but obviously they, they, they needed the structure for, for anorexia, I think. And it was just, yeah, I'm just kind of repeating myself now, aren't I really? But yeah.
No, you're all right, mate. Um, so I come from a weight loss coaching background. Uh, we talk a lot with, the, with my clients that I used to work with about um, hormones and stuff like that, leptin, ghrelin, that sort of thing. Um, the sort of hormones that can stop you from, they tell you that you're full, they tell you that you're hungry, that sort of thing. Do they do they think that the hormones are related to how you feel around food? Is there like, maybe there's slightly like an imbalance or a low production or anything like that. Don't ever discuss sort of hormones with you. Not really. No, um, no, never really. They mainly just spoke about like growing up, you know, like puberty and things like that. And that, and I remember being in the, in the unit and then all of a sudden, like all this food coming onto me and all this. And then, obviously growing and then all of a sudden all like beauty hormones came and all this and then I couldn't control them all so I used to get really angry all the time that whenever they said anything to me or whenever they were trying to explain something to me and I was trying to explain something to them about how I felt and how about how like my mind's working with this with this eating disorder I just got very frustrated because I couldn't control couldn't control any of it because it all came at once it wasn't like being a young young lad and growing up from like 13 12 13 whatever and then it slowly gradually coming into you it all just came at once so I just had no control whatsoever didn't know I I didn't realize that at the time obviously but like now I do but it was just like all came at once I just used it as anger and just basically just got cross at all the nurses and things because they wouldn't listen to me and wouldn't understand what I'm trying to tell them about my my eating disorder and how how my brain works one of the things I remember when you were going in and out of hospital and in and out of the eating disorder clinic was that um, in the initial stages, you, your puberty came late because you were too undernourished and your body wouldn't allow you to go into, into puberty yeah. because uh, it takes a lot of energy to go into puberty. Uh, so your body stopped you from going into puberty and it, you were about 15, 16 when, it, uh, when yeah. you actually went into puberty, weren't you? And, and like you said, because you all of a sudden you were getting all this yeah. high calorie intake and they also had you on a, a nasal pharyngeal tube, if I can remember that word correctly, uh, where they were uh, feeding a, directly. A into na- nasal, nasal feeding. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and so you were getting overloaded with calories yeah. and all of a sudden yeah. your body went nasal, through a whole yeah, change right. almost overnight, didn't it? Where, you, you know, you, you suddenly got thrown into puberty. Yeah. And it all happened at once. So I can understand with that rush of things like testosterone, you, 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 you know, anger is going to be a, a massive side effect of an overload of testosterone. Um, didn't realize that at the time, um, but looking back and knowing yeah. the medical stuff now, and I can see why it was so frustrating. And, and I remember we had conversations about how they didn't understand. They were treating people for bulimia and anorexia, but none of them were trained in how to treat someone for aphids because it was so rare. So that was a, a barrier between you and the nurses and the staff that we we all butted heads with, wasn't it, at the time? Mm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Is there um is there experts now on aphids that you've spoken to? There are, um, but not every eating disorder clinic has one. <laughs> That's the trouble. No. So you still no, kind of not that not that I know of. Anyways, no one. The, the, the places like Great Ormond no do have specialists, but they're, they're not in every eating disorder clinic. Mm. And if you ask anyone who's got a child with an eating disorder, yeah. have they heard of ARFIDS? The chances are they'll say no, because they've probably either got anorexia or bulimia. 
Um, one of the things that we I'd like to move on to, I'm sorry, Lewis, for jumping in at the moment, is what helped you most, Nathaniel? Sorry? What helped you most? Uh, you you cut out, so I didn't hear you. I do apologise. The reason why I'm asking the question, what helped you most? Because I know when you came to live with me for a while, because obviously you live in North Yorkshire with your mum, I live down south, is um, yeah. you're getting CBT yeah. and you were getting help with therapists. But the one thing that happened when we knew you had a therapy appointment was that you got really wound up the sort of the day before and the day of the, the, the session with the therapist and they would do house visits, which was great. But the day before you couldn't eat because you got too anxious about the therapy session. And we found it very counterproductive. Mm. And the, I mean, one of the worst things about it was, was the last minute phone call to cancel or something. So you'd had a whole 24 hours of stressing about it and then they'd cancel anyway. Yeah. And there was no consistency yeah. with that. Well, this is when I was living with you, wasn't it? Sorry. This was when I was living with you, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. When you, you came down here. I mean, I don't know how yeah, well yeah. the therapy session Yeah, happened. I think... No, I, I remember them discussing about why I wanted to come and stay with you instead of with mum because I found it more relaxing at dad's because there was less stress. So I didn't have to... There was less worry at, at dad's So uh, because dad's more chilled out. At the, at the time, he was more chilled out about it than than what mum was because mum just wanted me to eat and get better and dad wanted the same but he was more of a relaxed approach than a more like um stressful approach so at home when I was here at home in Yorkshire it was quite a stressful time and um it stressed me out more and but then when I was a dad dad asked me like things like what do I want to eat what what things do I want but at home here I didn't get that option mum was just cooking the tea or whatever and I'd ask her what was for tea and the one thing that was, this was like one thing that absolutely annoyed me when I was young when, when I had when I was struggling the most was what's for tea and the answer was food it was just like that's not the answer I want I want to know what we're actually having for tea not just food is not the answer it's sausage and mash and carrots or whatever not food is like i needed to know to get my mind in the state of mind to get this is what i'm having okay that's all right i like that i know that i can manage that kind of thing but getting the answer food was just not not good it, it just kind of stressed me out even more but then that dad's dad was like oh what, what should we have for tea tonight we've got this we've got this and one I've, I've a couple at least once a week i think i used to just eat 12 yorkshire puddings with gravy or something wasn't it because <laughs> yeah. And dad just let me eat that. Not like those big and, Yorkshire puddings. Uh, <laughs> no, like the, no, but like, not, not like, but yeah, just like the frozen ones. But, and, and they weren't like the, when they said, oh, what did you have for tea the other night? Oh, uh, I ate 12 Yorkshire puddings with gravy. And then I had like ice cream for pudding or something. They were like, yeah, we don't really advise you just eating Yorkshire puddings though. It was just like, sometimes that was the only thing I could manage. Mm. And it was like the only thing I could cope with eating was the Yorkshire puddings. Um, it was. I, I still love Yorkshire puddings. You can't go wrong with Yorkshire puddings. But yeah, um, and then yeah, this lady she used to come to the house when I was at dad's as well. And I don't, I don't really think she was like she was helpful. And we used to go out on little walks. We used to take uh, dad's dogs with us, and we used to take them out and uh, just walk and chat really about about how I'm doing and things. And that was the one thing I hated was always talking about about the food like back then it just, I just used to basically just shut down and not want to talk about it and not want to because it, it it used to stress me out and I just thought if I don't talk about it then 
they're not going to get anything from me because I'm not going to speak to them. If I don't speak, then I don't have to worry about it. But then I'm bottling it up. So at the same time, I was bottling it up because I didn't want to speak because it stressed me out. But at the same time, if I didn't let it out, then either way, I was stressing myself out even more. So it was like, it was a lose-lose situation for me. But for them, it wasn't. If I spoke, then they got something and they understood it. Mm. Or they didn't understand it, I had to explain it more. But yeah, it was, I think the therapy sessions in the clinic were quite good um, because they just used to like play music and you used to just sit there and think about and relaxing but then yeah they were they were good but then it was just when when I was at home I couldn't put them into practice because I didn't have the stuff to do it Um, but yeah okay so it's having a the opportunity to make a choice about what you eat is was important for being able to cope and make sure that you actually were eating the calories that you needed to to grow and develop. Um, but at the same yeah. time, learning how to manage your emotions a little bit and being in an environment that promoted a calmer um, sort of state from you. That's the kind of the takeaways, isn't it, of how you can kind of cope with this disorder best. Would you agree? Yeah, I think stress, being stressed out is a, a big factor um, or being upset as well. Upset was a big thing as well. Like most people, I know when they get upset, they just eat and eat and eat. But with like an eating disorder um, or other people that I know as well, when they get upset, they don't want to eat. They don't want to do anything. And it's like that. If I get upset about something, um, then it just puts me off food and it just doesn't, I just don't want to eat. And that that's another thing. If I'm feeling sad one day, then that's that makes it even worse because it's just like I don't want to eat because I'm sad, and as well as the stress, then both of them together just doesn't doesn't work, and it makes it even worse. Well, it used to make it worse, but now it's much much better than it was. But don't I don't worry about it as much anymore. So okay, so what's what's things like now then, Nathaniel? What's um how is it kind of affecting your life at the moment, if if at all? Um, well, I'd, I'd say it's there sometimes, but not all the time. Um, most of the time, it's I'd say it's not. It's really it's it's just now and then when I'm on a bit of a down day, you know, a bit lonely or nothing to do or feeling sad, then it comes back a bit. Um, but like uh, I had a lot of um, help through dad really as well with um, hypnotherapy, um, which is like I found that really helpful. Um, just done, tried it with a couple I just, of people. I just want to say, I didn't do the hypnotherapy with you, and we should probably mention his name. Um, Benjamin, no, Warren, no, yeah, colleague yeah. of mine or a, an associate of mine. And uh, he he had heard of Arfids, which was great he as well. before with it. And he's not too, didn't live too far away from me. So, uh, uh, when Nathaniel came down, we booked him in with him for a hypnotherapy session. And I must admit, um, yeah. there was an immediate change in Nathaniel's um mood afterwards and you you just seem to come out more confident more um uh, calm less stressed (laughs) and uh relaxed yeah relaxed and ready to tackle it um because at the time when you had that first session uh you you were still struggling quite a lot yeah and you've had what three sessions now over the last sort of two years um yeah, we started off with PSD though. Do you remember? Um, mm, yes, that's right. Yeah, 
and he yeah. I did a couple of sessions with him as well, didn't I? So I've done I think I've done about six altogether. Yeah. I think yeah. three oh three yeah, three three with each. Um mm. but Pierce was good and so was Benjamin. He was both they're both very good at what they yeah. do. Um it, it does it's it's very strange having hypnotherapy if, if you haven't had it though. Um when you first go into that dad was when I first started doing it dad was training to be a hypnotherapist and um he would talk to me about things and like it, it would never you never did hypnotherapy with me but um actually no that's not true we did it once actually on an airplane but I'll tell that story later um and um I remember going into my first hypnotherapy session and you said um he said dad said to me don't worry if nothing happens because you might not feel anything after the first session or you might nothing might change because you might need more than one session. So I remember him saying that and I remember going into the first session and uh, I sat down in this chair and this like bit of music was playing in the background and I just remember started like relaxing and obviously when you relax I started well when I started relaxing I started giggling quite a lot I quite la- I quite I laughed quite a lot anyways but and they were saying that's you relaxing, you know, and you're relaxing because you started to laugh a bit more and you started to, so you could tell I was relaxing a bit more. And then the first session went by and I came out and I, I felt fine. I just felt really tired. So I went went home with dad and then had a sleep. And then a couple of weeks later or something, it was or a couple of days later, I had my next session. Um, and then that was, again, realised I was relaxing great. And then I went through this um I had my eyes shut and I was sat in this chair and um, we did this thing called the igloo, I think it was called. And um, I was sat in this room and they asked, he asked me who I wanted to speak to in this igloo and I had to speak to, so my mum came in and I had, this was all in my mind so I could see I was sat in this igloo um, and um, mum came in and I spoke to mum about all these feelings I had against my mum and all these things and just let it all out and then dad came in and spoke to dad about all these things I can't remember what I said but I just remember letting all these things out and then we went into this other other room and um, this is a metaphorical room by the way this is in my mind not in another room in the in the in the therapy session but it was in my head this room so we, we've gone away and we we're just like in a blank space and then he said about myself and I was talking about myself and he asked me to imagine myself when I was about five because that's when the uh, the doctors reckon everything happened was when when mum and dad split up and all this and um I remember imagining myself in the when when we were living in dad when we were living with dad sorry in the barracks at RF Lehman which is down the road from where I live now and I remember I could visualize this and this was when I was about 17 now. So I could visualize the rooms. I could visualize everything in this house. Uh, and I haven't been there for, for years since I was about five. So everything came back to me like clear as day. I remember him saying, I want you to be sat on the stairs. So I could visualize myself as me now, like full grown man, guy, whatever you want to say, like um, sat on these stairs. And I was just sat there watching my five-year-old self playing with like toy cars or something. And then he asked me to call myself over. So I called myself over and I sat him down and um, he sat on the stairs next to me. And then 
he said, um, what do you want to say to him? And I, I just, I just couldn't speak. I just didn't know what to say. And he said, um, I said, I said to him, I, I don't know what to say. And he said, um, tell, just, just tell him everything's going to be all right. And I remember saying that. And he said, um, now, now say, um, I'm, I'm here for you or something. And I said that. And then he said, now say everything's going to be all right again. And I said it again. And then I remember he was just like, and obviously he could see my facial expressions. And he said, and I just remember this one word. He said, oh, it was, he said something anyways. He said, um, just let it go, just let it go. And then I just remember just, just crying because I was speaking to myself, telling myself it's going to be all right. And I remember just crying and crying. And then it was, it was, I never experienced that before. I never had it, had that. And I guess that was me letting, letting this outfit out really, letting it, let it get away and not keep a hold of it anymore. Just letting everything, like all my problems in my life just go away. And it was, it was a good feeling. It was really nice. It was really good. Um, it's hard to describe really because we're all different and it, it's, it was definitely like a, a weight off the shoulders for sure. And it just, that I think that was the day when everything changed really was that day because it was just like everything had, instead of it all being like a big tangled knot inside it all come loose and it was all, instead of it like being all knotted in the middle, it was all straightened out and everything. And it was just, yeah, I was much more relaxed. And mm. um, then I'd gone, gone away and I'd gone back home and things and, at home, mum was noticing a difference. I was more relaxed. I wasn't stressed out and things. And it did. It made a lot of um, a lot of effect on on that being at home because I was more relaxed. I wasn't stressed stressing about it as much. But I knew I still needed more sessions because I knew that there was still that there was still factors of stress. There were still factors of of um, worry and, and not wanting to eat and things. And then dad moved house and things. Um, and then we found you you started working alongside with Benjamin and that and then I went to him. And he he was good. Obviously he had had experience with people with Arthur. And I remember sitting him down and asking me things that I liked. And one of the things that we both had in common was cheese. And I can't remember why we got along with why cheese came along, but it did. And because cheese was just yeah, it's just great, isn't it? I just I love cheese, me, and it's great. Um, and it was just one of the things we we loved. We were talking about it, and I think him making all these conversations and um, things, and like, asking me things that I like. When I first walked in, I was I was quite nervous. I was quite quite worried about it because it was a new person, not the same person I'd been working with and uh, doing all the hypnotherapy with. So I didn't know what it's going to be like. But he made me relaxed at first with all these conversations and things, and then we did this thing called the swan, um, which is quite interesting. Um, so you sit on the chair and you have your, your hand like this. And um, I had my eyes closed, so I couldn't see anything. And he was asking, my, asking me, my self-conscious mind, these questions, and my fingers would move. And we did it in the first session and nothing happened. And so then he moved on and said, right, let's just move on to something else. And he moved on to this hot air balloon, I think it was. And there were like these bags along the side hot air balloon, which were all like my worries and things and letting them all go. And then we let them all go and they all disappeared and I flew off into wherever. And um, then I think it was a week later or something, we'd gone, I'd gone and have another session. 
kitchen and we did this swung thing and it, it worked this time and it was really interesting because i never I, I i was i think i, I was excited because it was working and i thought it was so interesting this like your hands your fingers are moving and you're not moving them they're just moving with your self-conscious mind and it's it's just uh, i can't even it's just mind-boggling i can't even explain it myself it's it's confusing but it's it's at the same time it, it makes you yeah yeah, the, if you see, the, if you ever get, if you ever see it in person, like this one technique is uh, a way of um, letting your subconscious mind communicate through idiomotor responses. So you might get a finger twitch for an answer yes, you might get a thumb twitch for the answer no, or any digit on that hand or a movement left to right with your whole hand, and it's a great way of allowing your subconscious to communicate yeah. without you consciously interfering. <laughs> And it doesn't always work. You're right. Um, practice makes perfect with anyone. And uh, and it is amazing technique. Now, I'd just like to say thank you, Nathaniel, for just being so open. Because I've never asked you about your therapy sessions because I didn't think I had a right to. And you've never come yeah. forward with telling no. me about the therapy sessions until now. So I had no idea uh, what actually went on. I just saw the after effects of uh, the positive after effects after you'd had hypnotherapy. Yeah, of course, yeah. So um, no, I just yeah. Yeah, the all, all, all the tearing my eye through some of that. I'm afraid, <laughs> but uh, so yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Yeah, but all 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 the therapy sessions have 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 helped, and um, it's not. I think if if whoever, whoever's watching, if if you have someone who's got an eating disorder, or if you have one yourself, it's I, I highly recommend doing it. Um, giving it a go. It might not work for you, but if you're if everything else has not worked like me being in the clinics and everything and all these other things just didn't work just didn't work for me it wasn't didn't work out but the hypnotherapy did and it might it's quite it is quite um, so so worth the money to do uh, because it makes you feel so much better and you can't put a price on your health can you um i'm so i'm here today yeah you can't exactly, and it's it's so. Every every I've obviously worked with two different people with with hypnotherapy, and and my dad at one time as well, um, but that was just to do with a massive migraine I had, and it he took that away. The migraine would take away from. That was that was a good experience that as well when we were on this we were on this plane and we'd been away on holiday and got I'd got a headache, I couldn't get it away. I couldn't get away taking paracetamol everything, and. Dad was sat next to me and said, Well, why don't we just try hypnotherapy? So we did this hypnotherapy on the plane. He said, Tell me where it's hurt, tell me where it's hurt. And so I tell him, and he was taking it away, taking it away. And then all of a sudden, in like five minutes, he was sat on the plane and we'd been up for a while in the air already. And five minutes after doing this hypnotherapy, he'd gone. And it was just great. I didn't have to worry about my headache anymore. But the guy next to dad looked like looked at dad <laughs> like he was some psychopath or something. It was the <laughs> funniest face he'd ever seen. And but it was it was it was just great to for that guy to be able to experience hypnotherapy without him actually having to you know yeah, and it just was great but it, yeah. yeah the hypnotherapy yeah to witness it the hypnotherapy is is a must if if you haven't had if you if all else has failed then go and go and try hypnotherapy because it it's it's something I think everybody at least needs to try once if you've got. Even it's not just for mental health things, though. And like, um, 
like for eating disorders really though as well it's for like there's like um smoking and and fears as I, well like, like needles and spiders and everything therapy, <laughs> no honestly I, I promise i i'm not i am not i'm not getting paid to do this at all um in any way shape or form i actually i actually messaged dad asking him if i could come on to the podcast and actually speak about my eating disorder so it's mainly me just giving information for everybody to experience really because i think it's important that getting as it's it's still not still not very well known and people i think doctors especially need to learn about aphids more which i'm sure they have to be put out there more so they can get an understanding of what's going on in um people's mind and it's like one of the things was as they used to ask me when i was in the clinic as well was what 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 are you thinking why like and they used to say don't let these these voices in your head but i never experienced any of these voices in my head like i, I was like voices what what are you want about like because the 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 the, the patient with anorexia had these voices in the head saying, "Oh, that's too many calories. That's too many of this." But my my voice was was never there. It was mainly just me saying, "Oh, that's too too much, too much of a portion for me to eat and things." But yeah, I think hypnotherapy is just, and it, it, sometimes even though it might not fully go away, mine's I'd say mostly gone away, but still. And you know you might just need a little bit of a top up, like an hour session or something, just to kind of tie you over again for a bit longer because you just realise you've been back a bit more and things, and you just know that you need to let it out, let it out, I guess, in, in a way. But you can't do that yourself. You need that person there to help. I remember doing starting the hypnotherapy, and my my mum was very very strongly against it at first, but then. Once you really working and that, I was slowly relaxing. I think she was more, more willing for me to go and do it because she realised that there was an effect of me being able to be more relaxed and not have the worries of, which was the main aim was not to be worried about food and not be able to go with my mates and eat, drink and a laugh and that. And it, that was, and I'm, I'm doing that now, which is great. And, um, but yeah, it's just, Yeah, it's been awesome, mate, to um, pick your brain, hear your story. And like you said, mate, a lot of people know all about um, bulimia and, and stuff like that and anorexia. Yeah. I never I never heard of Arfids. Um, so it's it's definitely going to help open people's eyes up who listen to this show um, and help them maybe see, see the same sort of symptoms in, in their children and, and support them um, in getting better and knowing what to what to do, what to suggest rather than, because I imagine with Matt, for yeah. a lot of it, you had your hands on your head a bit, didn't know how to help him. Um, so people listening now know that promoting a relaxing environment, involving yeah. their children with choosing what's for dinner and if need be, if it's oh, yeah. enough, getting, Definitely. Hypnotherapy, getting hypnotherapy involved. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been a real eye-opener for me. I appreciate your time, Nathaniel. Yeah. Anything else to add, Matt? No, thank you for that. Oh, I'm nice. just going to go wipe my eyes in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I really appreciate that, Daniel, because yeah. we've never really if, spoken in that yeah. depth. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you you asked nah. to do this because it's it, it's been an eye opener for me. I, I only saw it from one side, so yeah, thank you.
Yeah, I think, um, yeah, you never really wanted to ask, did you? Because I think you were worried that I'll reverse what's happened already as well. I think you you gave me that after the sessions, you just gave me that time by myself to sit and play Xbox or watch, watch you on my phone or, or sleep because the sessions are quite tiring as well. That's another thing. With, they were quite tiring. So we'd get home and I'd usually usually would fall asleep. Yeah, it can be mentally and emotionally draining. And it's just, yeah, let, and let, let your mind just process all that by just having a nap. And sometimes I'd, I'd go after like a two-hour session and then come home and I'd sleep for about an hour, two hours sometimes afterwards because it, it does drain your body because you're obviously all your, all your whatever, your mind and everything. But yeah. It was, yeah, it was good though. It's always been good, and I think I'm quite grateful for Dad finding out about it really, because I don't think I still, I don't think I'd be, well, I wouldn't be in the position I am now. For sure. But yeah, cool, awesome. Been an absolute pleasure, Nathaniel. Thank you so much for your time today, mate. Thank you. No problem.